Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. everybody the George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air hi everybody the George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air Free. With free. no one to 
Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Live Talk Radio. We may be having some interference, some difficulties, some breaking up. Uh, cracking up or something like that. I'm not sure. But uh, if you hear something like that, folks, don't be uh, alarmed. It could be the computer. It could be the weather we're having. It could be anything. It could be the solar eclipse. Everything messes with the um, um, computer here, the podcast show. Some people will call it a podcast. Some people call it an internet radio show. Whatever you call it, it's the George Wilder Jr. show. And welcome, everybody, to the George Father Jr. Show. We are broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. Okay, I see something's trying. Uh-oh, me- I got to go back with this one. Okay, I see uh, we're broadcasting one more time. We're broadcasting out of the city of Chicago. I find it's hard to find. It's another great day in the city of Chicago. It's sunny. And I I always, if I if I say it's a great day in the city of Chicago, that, that means that I'm always hoping that it's even better where you are, because this has been an amazing summer. Just, just put it that way. It has been one amazing um, summer, at least for the city of Chicago, and I'm pretty sure uh, in other places around America and even around the world. I'm, I'm thinking that it's been great for everybody, and people have been out here enjoying the weather, just enjoying it to its fullest, because it's coming. <laughs> it's on its way, and um, about it last winter wasn't so bad. And, uh, summer just—I mean, you know—it's it, just been phenomenal. I mean, I really can't say anything bad about it I, I, because if I, I could say something bad about it, I would, but I can't. I can't say anything bad about the city of Chicago and its weather so far. It's been great. It's been wonderful. And I know people are saying, you're living in Chicago? Wow, they just kill each other all the time, Mr. Wild. All right, my guest today is singer Sylvie, Sylvie Boise, if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, on the George Wilder Jr. show. I, I believe she's also an author. We'll just, uh, I, I uh, communicated with, with her a couple of days ago, and, and she's locked and loaded, right? <laughs> All right. It, it is such a beautiful day, folks. I'm here, I'm here in my wonderful studio on the north side of, of Chicago, and uh, I've had a few 
guests come on the show and say, wow, George, you have one of the best radio shows, internet radio in Chicago is one of the best. And um, I say, it ought to be. I've been doing it long, long enough. In three years, I've been doing this long enough. Barely making any money at it, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it because I love it. Just like writing. I mean, I, I write because I love it. You know, I mean, I love doing it. It's fun. I wouldn't write if it wasn't fun. Uh, George, you, what are you writing? Dracula? Uh, but it, it's fun. I mean, I could do political. I can write. I have done political writing in some of the books that I've written. There is something political in some of the uh, the books, uh, even though they're fiction. It, some of some of the things can be political. You know, so that's uh, funny. A lot of the stuff I write is funny, regardless if you don't think so. It's funny. Even the even the uh, horror that I write. I started writing horror because I wasn't sure. I was writing uh, just cops and robbers and things kind of genre uh and it and cops and robbers have been done so long i didn't know if i wanted to keep doing it uh, you know so you know sherlock holmes type of uh books i would be writing you know and um, detectives special agents and crime in the city and i wanted to take a different route i wanted to say wow when i was growing up i knew i liked I loved horror movies, Dracula, The Wolfman, you name it, The Mummy. I mean, I just loved those old movies. They were old movies when I was growing up, you know, so. And I, I love walking around the house or even sometimes my own place, just pretending like I'm Dracula or Wolfman or something. And I said, let me do something. And uh, I, I, there was this craze going on a few years ago, and it was nothing but zombies, you know, zombies. I mean, I was a zombie, and I love zombies. I mean, we went out and bought Xbox games, zombie games, just to shoot down the zombies, you know, and all these zombie movies, like Brad Pitt's uh, World of Z, I believe. And and uh, I started saying, I, I gotta change, I gotta change. I wanna write about something else. And I think when you're writing horror uh, uh books or stories really you really have to be creative i mean you have to be creative you just can't it's not like writing a love story or or a guy uh, type of a book or a novel you have to be really be creative because you you're writing about somebody who's going to be destructive and somebody who's ugly and nasty and grimy looking but strong and uh, with powers and, uh, uh, and stuff like this. And you have to, um, and you have to engage your audience. And every book I write, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's uh, a horror book or, or a love story, or if it's a detective genre, detective genre, a special agent or something like that I'm writing about, or the groove books, I got about four groove books and both and all four of those groove books are basically uh, 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 special agent crime books just city crime that's basically what it is uh, and then I decided to make a change you know so and I uh, found myself having more fun writing horror you know than writing some of the other stuff but I still love sto I still love to write love stories or 
stories that have no violence in it whatsoever, no shooting, nothing like that. Um, uh, and but most readers find those kind of stories boring. <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> you know, so, God damn it, let me put some. Somebody's got to die somewhere. You know, but I love those stories that have that have no uh, no no violence in them. But most of my most of my material is filled with it. Uh, you know, there are some, but but some things that aren't. You know, some a few of my things aren't filled with violence. Um, confrontations within the family, or something like that, or confrontation within friends, or confrontation within the characters themselves, without the violence without police presence or anything. And uh, I, I kind of like that, but I do know that some readers, uh, that's boring, nothing's happening. But it is something happening because people have feelings, people have emotions, and I try to give my characters, no matter what I'm writing, I try to give them emotions. And a lot of people feel that what I write is, some of the things I write, even sometimes I think it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And and I always tell people on my show that um, who are writers, you have to make it fun. No matter what you're writing, if it's because if you make it fun, you're having a good time writing what you're writing, then others going to have a great time reading it. And and if you think it's ridiculously funny, then other people are going to think it's ridiculously funny also. It's fun. It's just fun to, and I really like it to write about horror. You know, these are short stories. They're novelists, so they're quick reads. And um, so, you know, that's one thing about writing a short story or a novella. Um, you really got to get to the point. I mean, you really got to get to the meat of the story on the first page. And that's what I try to do is if I'm going to write a story, I gotta get to it on the end very soon but even though it ends uh quicker than a novel would but you uh you know i always leave space open for a second story uh for a continuation of that story maybe but but it's fun it's fun to write it's fun to write no matter what you're writing I don't want to do any political writing. I don't want to do too much of any kind of serious writing about what's going on in the world today. There's too many other writers and authors out here who are doing that. I don't need to try to add to it. Uh, they can probably say uh, what's going on in the world uh, better than I can, you know, because if, if I start writing about it, you're going to know that I'm pissed off. <laughs> so I just leave it alone and I could, because I've had people um, – uh, a few people come to me and say, George, why don't you do a political book since your show is political? I don't want to do a, a political book, and I'm not going to ever do one. I thought about it. I thought about it. But uh, as I've just got through saying, a lot of other people are doing political books, and they're doing a great job at it. And uh, as for the show being political, it's not political, even though I know it's in the category of politics. But, I mean, you can come on this show, and I can come on this show, and I can do the show actually and talk about whatever whatever I want to it doesn't have to be politics all the time because I get I if if one thing that makes me bored it's politics talking about it all the time but sometimes I have to cover it because every other um show is covering it television radio 
And uh, it, it is something that's going on in the world, and I think people should be enlightened. So I cover politics, but we, I mean, I have authors on the show. I have people on the show, they talk about anything. I had a lady on the show the other day, she was talking about, um, um, what was it, hip, hip, being hypnotized or something? I mean, I don't buy into that, but, uh, you know, it, it's always great to hear other people's story and that they actually uh, are committed and they're so emotionally involved in what they believe in. So you, you, you don't, I don't laugh at them. I don't say, get off my show. That's ridiculous. I just let them talk and, and uh, you know, uh, tell their story. And, you know, so therefore the show is not political because you can basically talk about anything you want. It's it's basically a variety show, anything you want. But I just say politics because uh, I'm always getting commentary on what's going on in the world. And Donald Trump is so controversial. I mean, it, I mean, it, you'd be crazy not to try to add your opinion or or, or your thoughts to what he said or how he's taking it, what direction he's taking the country. So you have to kind of um, mention that, mention those kinds of things. But basically, it's a it's a it's a show that you know um, that I think is a variety show because you can talk about a variety of topics. You know, um, when I first started out, when I first started the show, I wanted to do nothing but authors, nothing but authors. But you know, as the shows grow, uh, I mean, it's 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 a free fall. You know, you can talk about anything you want. I mean, I can talk about anything that I want. Times when I don't have any guests on the show and it's just me, you know, and and it's and it's great, it's wonderful. <laughs> I I could do this show alone. I've done it with my son, you know. I've done it with him. I I even had my son uh, co-host the show with me at one point. I'd had I had him actually do the show uh, without me, and uh, this is something that's not for him. Uh, I mean, he could probably go do something else, but radio, uh, being a, he thinks he can do it. He thinks he's great. He thinks he's wonderful. But I'm sitting right there and I'm listening. And and <laughs> and uh, no, no. But, but uh, I would never deny him a chance to want to be on the show or to want to host the show by himself. I, I don't care, but I, I don't think he could make it a career like I would like him to. You know, maybe maybe one day he'll fool me. Who knows? But anyway, I just love doing it, and I love writing, and I love being a musician. I do play, and um, and I'm going to be doing some mission uh, in the months to come with other musicians around the world, and uh, of course from the internet, and that should be fun. That should be fun, and I'm so shocked. I'm shocked, but not shocked at how many musicians there are in the world how many musicians there are uh, and how many musicians, how many guitar players there are in the world. There's a bunch. <laughs> There's a lot. They are of all ages. These, they're of all ages and these guys are good. You know, I, I'm learning something, right? Um, because I've been playing the guitar since I was maybe uh, see, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, I've been playing it since then. And uh, I, I, I'm gonna admit, I was never ever a good guitar player. Even after all those years, 
I was never, I, I was good enough to be in a band when I was 16, 17 years old. I was good enough to be in a band uh, because <laughs> there was three, three or four of us, sometimes four of us. And we want, uh, and all we did when we were in a band, a uh, musical band, all we did was wing it. I mean, but we were sounding great. I mean, we drew people from around the neighborhood, around the area. Area. We did uh, talent shows. We did outside parties and stuff like that. And we weren't famous or anything. It was a bunch of kids to get together and, uh, you know, played music, you know. But uh, we were we were pretty good. And uh, I tell this story all the time that uh, I was... Uh, it was hard for me to play and sing at the same time. It, it was very hard. And I thought I was the only musician in the world who couldn't play and sing at the same time. But recently I found out that I wasn't the only musician in the world who couldn't play. It is really tough. It's really hard. Some songs you can um, play and sing at the same time if you are disciplined then there's other songs you cannot play and sing at the same time because you will screw up, and it's just natural. It's just natural. But anyway, when I was uh, in this band, I, I, but there was one song that we played uh, that I was, I was going to sing the lead to and play the bass guitar at the same time. I mean, I was singing the song. I was singing when I was singing the song and trying. To play the bass guitar at the same time, I was screwing up. I knew I was screwing up. The I was screwing up. The lead guitarist knew I was screwing screwing up. The saxophone player knew I was screwing up, and I knew it as I just said. But the audience didn't know it. <laughs> they, they didn't know it. You know, uh, they <laughs> they were uh, really into the song that I was singing and, and, and as as the other guys in the band were trying to accomplish, accomplish me and uh, they were really into it and that's one of the things about music if you're in a band and you're hitting the wrong notes or you, you're not keeping time, uh, the band members know it but sometimes the audience doesn't know it they are out there clapping and waving and all this, having a great time and dancing to you and the band is the band is really uptight. I mean, they are really angry. They're giving you those those uh, deadly glares, you know, <laughs> stares, and uh, they know that you're not that you're screwing up and that you're throwing the, their timing. So, so uh, years old when I was in this band, and uh, but we got through it. We got through the song. And after the song was over, uh, a couple of people came up to me and asked me where could they get the song? Where could they get my version of the song? And I told them uh, that it wasn't recorded. It wasn't in the store. It was just something I just did on the spot. And, um, yeah, they, <laughs> they were, uh, I think not that many people were coming up to me, but it wasn't a bad song. I, I, for a minute there, maybe for a, a good five minutes or ten minutes, I was a celebrity. I mean, people were <laughs> coming up to me trying to ask me for my autograph, where they can get the song. 
And, you know, it, it was a song that I was actually screwing up, but somehow they started like, this is a true story. I'm not lying. This is a true story. I've written about it in my memoirs. And, uh, but still in all, I could never, ever play the guitar the way I wanted to play it. Um, there was a lot of things I wanted to, to, to learn about it. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know how to read music, guitar music a little bit now, but uh, I love playing. I, I'm, I'm playing the lead guitar now. I'm playing the guitar. I'm playing keyboards now. Most, most of the, uh, uh, but however, most of the time I'm doing it just for a hobby or just, just for myself, just for my own entertainment, my own pleasure. Uh, and it's, it's fun. It, it is totally fun. I'm not trying to make money at it because I don't think you make money at making music anymore. Music is tough. It's almost as tough as trying to make a living being an author. It is tough now. I mean, because music, um, I mean, you don't, back, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, uh, you don't hear music being played on the radio anymore. The radio doesn't play music like they did in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and 90s. It's it's changed tremendous tremendously. You hear artists Smokey Robinson, Jerry Butler, you know, saying that they are they still they still make music, but they it's very very hard to get played on the radio anymore. You know, so if you're an author, the best way to sell your CD, if you make a CD at home, the best way is probably through YouTube or something like that or some internet channel. Um, but anyway, back then, I, I mean, I was I was a kid, and it was fun. We, I loved playing. I loved playing. I loved uh, having people standing around and <laughs> enjoying your music. That is just a good feeling. So I, I jumped back into it. I had stopped playing the guitar for a few years, and I jumped back into it and realized it, it's something I love doing. And I'm hooked up with a lot of other guitarists online sometimes, and that's a great thing. Uh, along from you know trying to to, um, to uh, all right uh, are we on the air let's see are we on the air I think we are anyway anyway that that's my story <laughs> yeah so I I love playing I, I think uh, playing a guitar playing an instrument it's just beautiful. All right, you've been listening to the show. My guest is Sylvia Boise. Uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Let let not hate rule your heart, for hate is only a means to the end, my friend. Hate has no room, no place here. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it really doesn't. I mean, it, life is just too short and too tough, too hard to uh, actually go around hating you know, it just, it's, it, hating someone is stressful. Hating people because of their race or national, nationality or their ethnicity is, is just crazy. It, it's um, stressful.
let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate. Right. This is Chicago's <laughs> finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All righty. You're on the George Water Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hello, George. This is Sylvie Boisel. Boisel. Hey. <laughs> well, hey, what's yeah. up? Sylvie Boisel. So, well, I'm very, uh, I was listening to you. And if I may, I would like to add something about the music industry nowadays. Uh, but before this, uh, well, I would like to say hello to all the people in Chicago. I was uh, hey. lucky to, yeah, I was lucky to visit Chicago uh, last year, and I found this city very beautiful, especially near the there's a river. I don't know, I don't remember the name. There's a park and the uh, water. It was really beautiful. Wow. Sylvia, can you, Sylvie, can you give my yes. audience a little bio and tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what country you're from? Okay. Well, I'm from Paris, France. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a singer. Um, I sing in English and in France, French and in Spanish and a little in Italian also. And uh, well, when I saw that you were a radio uh, also about happiness, uh, I wanted to talk uh, with all uh, your listeners and yourself because it's, um, I think happiness is the most important thing in life. <clears throat> so, so you, you uh, <laughs> Sylvie, you, you, you want to uh, talk, you want to, excuse me, you want to talk about making people happy, keeping people happy? Yes, yes. But I just would like to come back firstly to the music industry right now. I will say, yes, you are right. Okay. It's more difficult to, to be on radio. But in the meantime, with the Internet, YouTube, I think it gives lots of uh, more space to independent artists. With lots of work, yeah. you can find your fans and, and, uh, and work like this. Anyway, so yes, well... Um, so I don't, it's a, firstly, I'm very happy again because it's the first time that, uh, uh, I, you know, I want to become a speaker and talk about happiness. 
So, but it's the first time in my life that I'm doing this on radio today. It's a, it's a launch of my new, my new uh, uh, goal, if I can say. So, yes, uh, what was your question? Uh, my question was, uh, you said uh, you are a, uh, you want to make people happy. So how do you propose to try to make people happy? Yeah, well, uh, firstly, on stage, yes, I sing, but I decided I really want to, to spread happiness, joy, courage in my song. So uh, okay. I, 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 I don't choose violent songs. I want to... Uh, I want I, most of the time I sing positive songs. I mean, sometimes it can be emotional, of course, but uh, most of the time, I, I, so I, I spread happiness to my audience because generally there's a connection between me, my audience, and me. Uh, and uh, so they told me they are happy, but also uh, since let's say one year, I decided to to fight uh, for human rights, animal rights, and also spread happiness with all the social media, you know, Twitter, uh, mostly Twitter, but I'm going to do this more in Facebook and in Instagram also. And I think it's uh, finally the duties of, of all human beings to do this normally, you know. We should yeah. fight, as you said, all, all racism and uh, hate and all these things, so... So, Sylvia. wow, it's quite... Sylvie. Oui. Sylvie. <laughs> why, why do you think so many people are unhappy? Why, why I think so many people are? It yeah. was cut. I didn't hear uh, you. Un unhappy or happy? I said well, unhappy. I why do you think so many people are? Oh. Okay. Uh, or unhappy. Okay. I understood. Why do you? Uh, okay. Um, well, it's not. Uh, it's not always an easy world. The, I mean, the everyday life. Uh, I think human humanity lost a little uh, the the joy because lots of people want. Mostly uh, money, you know, and mm. um, and also, you know, I think I'm going to have to shock some people, but I think it's it's uh, it's a little more work sometimes to decide to be happy than to be unhappy, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, because if you want to be happy all the time, you need also to to understand uh, how to become happy all the time. And firstly, uh, well, I can tell you how I'm doing myself, but uh, firstly, uh, I would like to tell you what I did this last year, quickly. Okay. So I, I was living in Paris for many years, and one day I decided that I was... I hope people can understand my English, because I know I have a strong accent. Okay, so yeah, you do. Uh, but, I, I, but I can understand you. I I, I understand oh. you. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, after after many years in Paris, uh, I noticed that I was 
I wasn't so happy anymore, even if I was doing a beautiful show, etc., etc. But, uh, you know, Paris is a big city, like New York. There's lots yeah. of stress, yeah. not a great river, lots of traffic. So uh, when I realized that it would be great that I leave Paris and live somewhere else, I decided I went to Australia because I... Uh, well, I will tell you this after, but so I went to Australia. I visited Australia. I like Australia and I decided to go and live in Australia and I stayed eight years in Australia. And after uh, six, seven years, I noticed that I wasn't so, so happy 100%. And I, as you said earlier, life is too short. So I just decided to, to, uh, to leave Australia and and uh, America was uh, United States was one of my dreams when I was a teenager so I came to United States and uh, uh, I hope it's not too long so I, in fact just I stayed two years in New York and I just realized that wow I, I just told me wow Sylvie you left Paris and now you are in New York it's a great city but you are not happy 100% because I need I need heat so I went to Las Vegas, where I'm very happy currently. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, in fact, it's great um, to stop what, what we are doing in our busy life time to time and to ask ourselves, are we happy? You know, are you? Yeah. Oh, uh, <clears throat> Sylvia, uh, Sylvia yes. how, long yes. have, how, how long have you been singing? Oof! I think since I'm 18 years old, and I, I will not tell you my age because it's a long time that I decided that I don't have age anymore. But <laughs> it's a long time. But um, so, uh, so, um, so have you? Uh, what are some of the places you've uh, entertained? What are some of the places that you've sung at that you've uh, entertained? Well, in Paris, uh, well, in Paris, it was mostly theater yeah. and cabaret. Yeah. And then when I went to uh, to Australia, I sang for lots of different events, from restaurants to uh, singing in, before the prime minister in na national events to a cine film festival. Uh, and and in New York and and in Las Vegas, I'm I'm doing more or less the same thing than in uh, Australia. Except mm -hmm. that I want also to become a speaker and to uh, to spread, uh, you know, good vibes, uh, how to be happy, uh, all this also, you know, I would like to do TEDx you know, uh, speaking and all this thing. So so you you're starting right now telling people how to be happy. That although you're doing it. To, through your music too, you're telling people you, how to be happy through their music. You want to be, uh, uh, you know, on stage and want to talk about it and be a motivational speaker on telling people how to be happy. Am I correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, for example, I wanted to talk about Edith Piaf. Uh, okay. I know that not all Americans know Edith Piaf. She was a small singer who was singing. Uh, euh, quand il me prend dans ses bras, qu'il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Yeah, anyway, she, she has another song and it's called No Regret, you know? Mm -hmm. 
uh, and, yeah. and in this song No Regret she's saying uh, um, whatever happened wow. uh, in, in my life I, uh, I still want to live again every day is a new beginning you know so yeah. you know Sylvie you sounded pretty good there give us another bar or two <laughs> which song <laughs> With which one? The same? Um, your choice. You can okay. choose anything you want. Go ahead. Okay. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, qu'il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, des mots de tous les jours. Et ça me fait quelque chose. Il est entré dans mon cœur une part de bonheur dont je connais la cause. C'est lui pour moi, moi pour lui, dans la vie. Il m'a la dit, l'a juré. Alors je sens en moi mon Okay, you see, I, I love this because, uh, uh, in fact, I'm doing this job. I, I love communicate with people and, and sending love to people. So, so yeah. <laughs> thank you for giving me this opportunity. Sylvie, do you have a book or are you planning on writing about this or no, no in fact well, yes and no I'm planning but not before perhaps 10 years or I don't know when uh, in, yeah I would like to 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 tell one day my stories because you know it's extraordinary I think I was very lucky yeah. to live in Paris and then Australia and then New York and then Las Vegas and I don't know where I will be in few years you know and uh, uh, thanks to the universe uh, or God uh, and my father who supported my career also. So uh, I really would like to talk about all these experiences. But right now, in fact, I'm, I'm hoping, I sent you the first songs I ever written and arranged. You know, it's called C'est ça l'amour. Uh, and I'm hoping in 2018 being uh, having enough time to start to write over songs, but this time it will be in English. Yeah, yeah. Because right now I'm, a, I'm, I'm mostly a cover artist. So, uh, in fact, if you go to my website, so it's frenchsinger.biz, frenchsinger.biz, B-I-Z, or frenchmusic.info, uh, you, you, you can hear my, my CD and you will see that it's, it's uh, covers of uh, jazz standard or French standard. So you do have a CD out? Oh, yes. It's called Amour. Of course, okay. Amour. You, you know what it means, Amour? Amour? Yes. It means love. What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to say something love. to that effect. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cause, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and we can get it on your website, which is, can you repeat it? Oh, uh, French singer dot biz, B-I-Z. 
Oh, okay. Frenchsinger.biz. Yes. Or frenchmusic.info. Hello, are you here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm, oh, okay. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm uh, just, uh, uh, um, you want something? Uh, do you have something else you could tell my audience? Because we're getting ready. We're running out of time. So, what do you want? What oh, do you want to leave oh, with my okay. audience? Uh, um, oh, yeah. Well, I think the most important thing about happiness is so to check your life. You know. And and uh, and uh, if you are if you think that you could be happier, well, uh, try to uh, find out what what would make you happier, and uh, change your life and and do and go where you will be happier. Uh, however, I know that some people cannot change their life. So in this case, uh, there's a, a prayer, but it's not only. Uh, Believer who, who say this prayer, it's also anonymous alcoholic. I, I guess you know this prayer. It's it's uh, it's uh, God give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. I think this text is beautiful and. Uh, when, when we, I think, when if you are not happy in your life, try to change something in your thinking also because uh, the, yeah. the thoughts give the emotion. Then, if we change our thoughts, uh, and and yes, George, uh, only last thing. Uh, sorry, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, uh, all right, yeah. all right. Sylvia so Boise on the George Wilder Junior Show. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for singing on the show. You sound great. And I wish you a lot of luck in the near future. All right? Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you, George. Thank you. Thank you very much for your invitation. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Love you all. <laughs> okay. Sylvia Boise on the George Wilder Junior Show. She's calling from Paris, France. She's a native of Paris, France. And uh, she's a singer. And she wants to show everybody how to be happy. And her website is frenchsinger.biz. All righty, that was great. I want to say once again, thanks to Sylvie. Let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate 
principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation, no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the president of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yep. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go and if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those comments today that were at Trump Tower in the same place where he launched his presidential campaign in June of 2015 by saying this. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. So, Governor, you know, the folks who are his critics are saying he showed us who he was in those comments over two years ago. At least he's consistent. He hasn't changed. Should, and people shouldn't be surprised by his behavior today. They expected it all along. What, do you take with, what issue do you take with him by saying just what he said? The fact of the matter is, being a border governor, we know that we're not getting the best that what Mexico can send to us. We know that the drug cartels are down there. We know that the rapists are coming across, and then they go to sanctuary cities, and then they head back, and then they come back here again. You know, this is America. The American people ought to be protected also. And I'll and let you respond to that. as as rhetoric... As a Latina, I'll, again, I'll let you again, to that, uh, again, Don, uh, life is too short for me to respond uh, to something like that. What I will say is that it, you're exactly right. He showed us during the campaign over and over and over who he was. We saw him boast about sexual predatory behavior. We, we heard him attack Judge Curiel. We heard him attack the cons. We heard him attack Mexicans. We heard him attack women. Over and over and over again, he showed us who he was. But Republicans, so many Republicans, look, I have friends here in Miami who voted for him because he was going to change Cuba policy, and he did. But that's not enough. That is not enough because the harm he is causing this country is just too great to look the other way. And many people thought that when he entered the Oval Office, he would become presidential, that the magnitude of his office would make him change and become a presidential figure. Well, six and a half months have gone by, seven months have gone by. You don't change a 71-year-old man. He yeah. is not going to change. And it is time that Republicans start realizing that and stop giving him a damn chance he's not going to change he will continue embarrassing us and making us feel ashamed governor and governor you're okay with everything he said today I am I am from everything that I heard I don't have a problem with it but the fact of the matter is is that all of this rhetoric is all sour grapes because it's just continually coming through um, the networks uh, across our country and he was duly elected he is uh, the president of the United States and for people to use some of the verbiage that they've used and is a Republican a long-time Republican destroying by the way. our I understand that 
now you lost my. I lost. You said my that. So, uh, you said it's is, destroying our president. We need to. Pardon. I was just trying to help you complete your thought. <laughs> it's just it's the. It comes across. It sincerely comes across that everybody's candidate didn't win. So they just want to go after the president on every little issue. There's code words. There's dog whistles. There's, you know, this and this, that. I mean, my God, I've lived, again, a long time, and I've never, ever seen uh, part of our country behave in this manner to this extent. It's over the top, and it's disturbing. And so many There are people who are watching, Governor, uh, who will say that they, they sounds like you're talking about Donald Trump and those people who were out there with torches the other night. Well, those are bad people. Those are bad, bad people. I mean, nobody is going to say that the Ku Klux Klan carrying tiki lights are good people. Nobody should say that. The old president said that today. He said there were some good people there. Let me just let me just say this. I do not think you can ask any American. Wait, Jan, I don't interrupt you, so please give me the same respect that I've given you, which has taken enormous restraint. I haven't interrupted you, Anna. I haven't. I haven't interrupted you. All right, great. Then let me then let me finish my thought because I can actually keep my train of thought. Uh, one of the things he did today, by the way, was also come after and attack the senior senator from Arizona who is battling brain cancer right now. I find that offensive, not only as a friend of John McCain's, but as an American. I find it offensive as a human with empathy. I find it offensive for my friend Cindy and Megan McCain. I find it unacceptable. And if anybody is going to ask me to respect Donald Trump, because he's president, first I would say to them, tell him to respect the presidency. Mm -hmm. Tell him to respect the American people. Tell him to treat his office with the dignity that it deserves. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny than you hold him. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny when it comes to rhetoric than you hold him. He is the one that is dividing us. It is not us. Believe me, I got over Jeb Bush years ago, okay? He ran a terrible campaign. If you think this is sour grapes over Jeb Bush, you are sorely mistaken. This is pain over what is happening in the United States of America, a country that embraced me and that is today my homeland. All righty, that was the fiery Anna Navarro. She's one of my favorite folks. And because she tells it like it is. <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The are. George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Donald Trump gave a speech the other night on television for that I wasn't going to watch it because I don't think the guy's had 
the guy have any credibility whatsoever. He has to do a lot to regain my uh, respect and trust. This guy has trashed the White House. He's he's a he's a just about an admitted racist, and I can't deal with that. And most of there's no doubt about it. Most of the most of uh, the United States want to see this guy out. He gave a speech last night. He gave a talk last night. I don't know how much of a speech it was, and I swore I wasn't going to watch it, and I didn't. And half the people that I've talked to, you know, throughout the uh, social media world, said they weren't going to listen to it either, you know, because they've lost respect. You 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 don't know if you to believe anything that comes out of his mouth. If you try to believe something that comes out of his mouth, the next day he's taking it all back and saying something can to- totally. Different. One of the things I do know about Donald Trump, when Donald Trump is reading from a teleprompter or reading a script somebody else written for him, uh, that's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is spontaneous. <laughs> Donald Trump is is just the 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 stupid is out of his mouth. So when he's reading someone else's words, uh, someone um, told me that. Uh, Donald Trump is the only president that doesn't uh, write his own speeches. And I came back and I said, whoa, uh, uh, Barack Obama wrote his own speeches. Yeah, but, you know, but everybody else, every other president so far has had speech writers. I don't know, but, you know, Donald Trump needs speech writers. He needs, he needs. Uh, teleprompters, because without a speechwriter and a teleprompter, this guy is all over the place. I mean, if you, the, the, you know, he's all over the place. And when Donald Trump is reading from reading someone else's words and he's reading it off a teleprompter, that's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the unhinged Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the guy who makes all those goofy statements in front of the camera. He goes and gives those impromptu talks in front of the cameras, that's what he messes up at. And that's where he shows his true colors as a racist. I mean, there's people today, uh, all over the United States and the world calling him a racist. You know, the, just the other day when the when, uh, the eclipse were, was in town and Donald Trump took his, I, th- I think he went out to the White House balcony and looked up at the uh, sun when everybody else in the universe was saying, don't look at the sun during the eclipse, uh, you could go blind. Donald Trump looked up at it. <laughs> of course, he's not the only one to uh, look up look up at the sun, the eclipse, uh, uh, when the moon was moving over the sun. Uh, he wasn't the only one, but you know, there was other people who have, and they're and they're wondering if they're going to go blind if they're in bad eyesight or something. Um, but anyway, Donald Trump is the president. He's the president. He's he's the one. The presidency. The president is the one where everybody takes their their cue from. But do not take any cue from Donald Trump. I mean, he he looked up. He had glasses, but he I think he took them off and looked up there. And then he I don't know. His wife was uh, his wife or his daughter, whoever that was with him on the balcony. I mean, she was she had on dark glasses. She was looking straight ahead. Donald Trump peered up, peered up at the sun. His eyes was squinting. 
now in a few days or a few weeks if something's wrong with his eyes we'll know <laughs> we'll know why you know we'll know why and a lot of people are hoping he a lot of people hope if i can say this my mouth is stuck a lot of people are hoping that he goes blind and i said no he's an awful president he thinks but don't wish anything bad on the guy anyway Alrighty, he gave a speech uh, the other night on Afghanistan, and everybody was saying it was an empty speech. It meant absolutely nothing. They're saying that he could have tweeted it. He, he didn't have to give a speech, uh, a prime time, wherever it was. I didn't watch it, but they were saying he could have. It was nothing there significantly that significant that he was talking about, and that he actually could have just avoided all of that and just tweeted it. Okay. Okay, so therefore, I didn't miss anything. And a lot of people who told me and emailed me and, and uh, Facebook told me that they weren't going to watch it either. So I don't know. Anyway, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any kind of a rating boost or a bounce to this. You know, so. All righty, let's see what this says. I'm on Huffington Post. A report Trump called with McConnell devolved into profane shouting match. Oh, my God. Uh, Trump is getting into a shouting match with uh, one of the uh, senators, uh, the head senator. Wow. America's first base, we biggest loser. Uh, a lot of this stuff is just garbage I'm reading, even though it may be true. A White House praises Trump. MCs. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Republicans are praising his speech. I mean, they, I mean, it's farted. I mean, they would praise that. I mean, the, the Republicans, this is why these guys are not trying to uh, impeach him. They're too much, uh, they're too much kissing his butt, you know, and that's what they're doing. They're praising his Afghan speech, empty Afghan as very pres presidential. He didn't say anything, but the Republicans are proudly to kiss his ass. They want Donald Trump to stay in as president because there is something about Donald Trump that's going to get their party where they want their party to be. If Donald Trump is still in November 2018, he's going to get impeached as soon as the Democrats take control. Because the Republican that are in, I've said this a thousand times maybe, the, the Republicans who are in Congress now, they're just for Donald Trump. That's all they're for. They don't want, they, the, the American people are saying, get this man out of office. The American troop is saying, get this man out of office. All right, the Phoenix mayor is saying Trump is not welcome here. Phoenix mayor says Trump has doused racial tensions with gasoline. And he is not welcome there. How? And Trump is trying to go somewhere where he's not welcome. This is phenomenal. We'll be right back, folks. We're going to dig, in dig into this a little bit more. And uh, the saying that he's not welcome in Phoenix. I, uh, two or three days ago, I heard that he wasn't welcome there. But he's going to go there anyway. Why would you go somewhere where people say you're not welcome there because you are a racist, period. And they don't want you to stir up any trouble in their uh, state where people are getting killed. 
And I'm going to always say that that woman that got killed in Charlottesville, Virginia, that's blood on Trump's hand. And now he's trying to cause some more blood by going somewhere where he shouldn't go because he's not wanted. And uh, we're just going to have to see where that goes. Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. Didn't have gray hair when we started, Fareed. <laughs> what has surprised you? Uh, I thought he would crash the stock market. And I still think he will. Uh, I'm hoping, actually, because that's one thing that would uh, maybe lose him a lot of support in the Republican Party. But I thought and predicted, and I was wrong, that uh, the stock market hates volatility and uncertainty, and who is more volatile than Donald Trump. But I guess I underestimated their greed, because they still want their tax cut. What, what I've been surprised by is the degree to which his supporters still support him, right? I mean, if you look at even Republican support, it's still either in the high 70s, some polls in the low 80s. And, you know, you get the feeling it's not so much about ideology because he's not that conservative. It's not so much about competence. He hasn't gotten much done. What do you think is going on? Well, uh, it's, it's almost a protest vote. You know, I, I'm not surprised because there are, now there are a certain percentage of people who are, I think, racist, and that's part of his appeal. And, you know, his dog whistle was louder than any dog whistle we've heard, and the Republicans have been playing that game since Nixon and the Southern strategy and Reagan opening his campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi. That's been going on a long time, but he just did it in a much more blatant way. So he can't deny that that's part of it. But there are many, many gettable voters, that I mean gettable by the Democrats, that put him over the top. And these are the people who I fight with, sometimes right here in this studio audience. These are, this is that part of the Democratic Party. Um, that is plainly obnoxious. They are humorless. They're too politically correct. If you, if you talk to Trump people, they're not unaware of his flaws. But what they always say, like the first thing, what they love about him, he's politically incorrect. Yeah. You know, all those years ago when I called the show politically incorrect, <laughs> I wasn't exactly wrong. I, I failed miserably yeah. at driving a stake through its heart. But that was a problem, and it is a problem, and we've been choking on it, and he played that, and he still plays that. And they love that, and they would, even though they know that he's, he's bad in a lot of ways, they would rather be on his team than those insufferable people on the left. That's how they think. What do you think it is? It's a, it's a really interesting thing that I've grab, grappled with in America. Is it, there's almost a sort of puritanism uh, within the culture that says we're going to shame, we're going to censor, you know, that, that you, you can't say these things. Because it's very different, as you know, in, in a place like Europe. You don't have it. There's a peculiarity to the way in America on the right and left, but particularly on the right, left, there is this 
puritanism of, you know, the things you can't say. And it's getting worse. I don't know how long I'm going to last. <laughs> really, I mean, it's, it's, it's worse every year. Uh, the things that they go after people for now. I mean, your colleague, I don't agree with him, Jeffrey Lord. I mean, CNN got rid of him because he said Zig Heil on a tweet. It was a joke. This this has got to stop. That this idea of people have to go away if if they've offended me even for one moment. How about just move on, turn the page, go to the next thing in your life. Uh, I, this idea that you cannot suffer one moment of pain. This comes, I think, from bad parenting. You know, these are the kids. These are the millennials. Sorry, millennials, but you know, these are the kids who you know grew up yelling at their parents something that never even crossed my mind that I could do and parents negotiating everything and this sense of entitlement that I should never feel any pain even the pain of someone disagreeing with me there's an alarming number of Millennials who really don't even believe in free speech because you know what free speech could lead to hurt feelings who gave these kids these priorities the Google guy who was fired for Boasting a memo in which he oh, tried to discuss, you know, he may have been right or wrong, but to be fired for expressing your views every week, yeah, yeah. and colleges are completely out of control. I mean, the good side of it is that people are on the case now. I mean, like I remember when I was pretty much alone screaming about this. This goes back to the '90s, and uh, I think a lot of people, the main mainstream people, get this now, that you know, colleges. Are, are not doing what colleges are supposed to do, which is broadening people's minds. They're doing the opposite. So you think it could change? You think that I, it has to? I, and I also have heard encouraging things from people about the generation that's coming up behind the millennials. You know, every generation usually rebels against the one that came before them. And I, th I think part of it is a rebellion against political correctness that I hope happens, and also against social media. Social media is not benign people attached to their phones like that, getting all their news from just what someone shares on their Facebook page. This is not the way you get news, if you really care about what's going on. Um, and I think there is a generation that I hope is going to rebel against that, because, you know, I don't, I don't take pictures. People always are asking me to take pictures, and I say, handshake, hug, eye contact, and usually they get it. Sometimes they don't even hear me, and they lift the phone anyway. Yeah. I'm like, hello. I just said I don't do it. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just so automatic yeah. that life is through this. has to come through a screen. It's, it's killing us. Oh, my God. Don't go away. We have much more with Bill Maher when we return. All righty. Uh, uh, the, um, the mayor of... Um, Protesters at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill call for the removal of a Confederate statue on campus. And look for the heat. Look for Trump to bring up the heat in Phoenix, Arizona. He's going to some place. He's going to Phoenix to rally his base. And the mayor and the governor, they are opposed to this. The mayor has come straight out and we don't want you. It appears that Trump is going to go there anyway because that's where most of his haters are, his base is. So this is a damn shame. He's giving this speech, I believe, tonight. And uh, the president expects to push 
hot button topics tonight at campaign rally in Phoenix. He is still running for president. Can you believe this? This ignorant fool, Donald Trump, is still running for president while he's president. I mean, I mean, obviously he wants to be elected, and I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, okay, this is something to pay attention to because he is going to be at this rally tonight, rallying his uh, the KKK, the neo Nazis, the white supremacists, people, the people who put him over in office, and he's going to get them all charged up against those of us who don't like him, who thinks he's a piece of crap, S-P-O-S. Okay, so this is something to look to to feel tonight. I mean, this is going to be something because nobody, this rally that Trump is going to, this current rally as of uh, Tuesday, August 27, 2017, this current rally, who's going to be there? Who's going to go to a rally with a bunch of hateful people? Thugs. There's going to be people out here rallying against those folks. There's going to be peaceful protesters. There's going to be the also, there's as, as it were, in Charlotte, uh, Virginia, there's going to be the peaceful protesters. There's going to be the agitators. And Trump, Donald Trump is President Donald Trump. I very se- seldom say president. He's the head agitator. Instead of, you know, instead of bringing people together, this guy is pushing people apart more and more and more. And the Republicans in office and the Republican Congress aren't doing a damn thing. They're praising him for his Afghan, Afghanic, Afghanic, Afghanistan speech, if I can say it, which was nothing. Most people saying it was, it was nothing. He just read off a teleprompter. Uh, but this speech... Tonight, I mean, this rally, you know how Trump's rallies are. They're hateful. They're violent. Uh, they're bloody. Uh, uh, they're deadly. People could die, you know. So, and he's, he's going there to rally his troops, his, his troops. He's a racist pig thug, but he doesn't care what you think about him. He is a racist pig thug. President expect to push the hot button top tonight. That's going to ignite his base, and his base is but the people I just got through describing. And they don't want him there. Phoenix does not want him there. The mayor doesn't want him there. The, the, say He's not going to be a part of it. This is crazy. Why is he going someplace where he doesn't, where he's not wanted? He's not going to come to Illinois because, you know, Illinois didn't vote for him, and Illinois is not in his corner. But to go to Phoenix, he's going to Phoenix because that's where his, Bases. That's the city. Uh, I guess Arizona is the state that's over the top. So now he's going to go to Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, President Donald Trump is trying to turn the page on a uh, disastrous week in which he uh, comments responding to white supremacist actions in Char- Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. And these were condemned across the political spectrum by all but his adoring base. And his base consists of haters. So he is out west to reveal 
to to revel in the cheers. Yeah, he's going out there so he can be cheered and loved and told he's great and all of this. He has to have that. That keeps him going. He's going there for one reason, folks, out here in Arizona to rally, to hear people cheer him, tell him how great and wonderful he is, his haters, the people who, and that's what he's going there for. That's crazy. He acts as if he needs it. He he's had a disastrous week, two weeks. I'm a, I'm I'm going go, I'm going to go even further to say this guy he has had a disastrous six months in office. Period. Now he's going out. He's going to a city that doesn't want him because he's going to rile up the haters, and there may be violence. And they're trying to say Donald Trump, the mayor, uh, the mayor's name is, let's see if we can find it. Yeah, I think it's Mike something, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's saying to Donald Trump, do not come out. Okay, Phoenix mayor urges Trump to delay rally. Tomorrow is today. So he's, uh, uh, his name is, the mayor, his name is Greg Stanton of Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, they don't want Trump there. Obviously, Trump said, I'm going because that's his base is there. But this is going to be interesting, folks. This is really going to be interesting. Donald Trump is going to set fire if, if, if to the rally. And they're saying that he's already in Phoenix. Uh, if he goes to the rally, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be a mess. Okay, less than 24 hours after delivering a primetime speech outlining Afghanistan's strategy, Trump will hold a campaign rally in Phoenix. The president will be joined on stage by Vice President Mike Pence and Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson. And Ben Carson don't know any goddamn thing about housing and development. He just was put there because he's a bootlicker for Donald Trump. Majority of the people that are in Donald Trump's cabinet are un fit and unqualified like he is unfit and unqualified to be president. In anticipation of Trump's trip out here, the political world was buzzing about not just whether the president would set foot in Phoenix, but which specific button clash would he wade into? What is he going to How is he going to push his uh, uh, supporters? Supporters. You know, he's going to push him to fight. I mean, he's going to tell him to knock people out or something. This is Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump. Trump might lead chance of build a wall. You know, returning to the animated promise of his 2016 campaign at a time members of Congress are facing the end of September deadline to fund the government while knowing that uh, including any money for a border wall would cost them votes. It sure would. But Trump doesn't care. I know some of you folks heard that the civil service is running money. Yeah, to to protect Trump. They're running out of money to protect Trump. And basically, if you read this article, the money that they're running out of, out of to protect Donald Trump is going back into Donald Trump's business. Can you believe that? 
I've had people tell me, George, I'll believe anything. <laughs> Nothing surprises me about Donald Trump. Nothing surprises me about Donald Trump. So our tax money that we pay to protect Donald Trump is going back into Donald Trump's businesses. That's the truth, folks. Wow. And now the government has run out of money to uh, pay the Secret Service personnel to protect Donald Trump and his family because Donald Trump takes so many vacations and trips and his family, he's got a great big family, Secret Service have to protect them. So they've ran all, ran completely out of money. This is totally true. You can always research it and look it up and find out about it and find out if you don't realize how, how the money of uh, our tax money that's paid to, paid to the Secret Service to protect Donald Trump is actually going back into Donald Trump's businesses. Illegally. Businesses making money while he's still president is against the constitutional, is against constitutional law. But the Republicans will not do anything about it. Donald Trump bitched wailed about Obama going on golf trips and taking vacations. As of now, Donald Trump has taken more vacations probably than any other president. But he doesn't care. He's Donald Trump. You know, and I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't like Donald Trump. I mean, you may have known that for and following me on Facebook and right here and other places. You may have noticed that. I, I really don't like this guy doesn't care. He doesn't care if you don't like him. He doesn't care if you don't support him. He doesn't care how many stupid names you may call him. All Donald Trump knows is that he's president and we're not. <laughs> That's all he knows. And this um, this rally that he's going to be holding is, is, is you know, it, I mean, nobody's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of protesters. There's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of protesters in the street. Why would he do that? Why would he go to Phoenix, Arizona, tie up the traffic? That's, that's what he's going to do, tie up the traffic. They're going to have rope-offs of the communities and the areas. You know, uh, thousands and thousands of man hours for the police to try to protect him and try to keep the, keep the peace. Uh, this is going to be costly for Phoenix and it's going to be costly for the taxpayer. None of this is going to come out of Donald Trump's pocket. And he just sits there, stands there smiling like a just, I mean, this guy is just awful. This guy is just awful. And Phoenix, Arizona right now, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid that violence is going to break out there afraid that he's going to instigate violence like he's always have at his rallies and even in the Oval Office of the White House. Wow. They may feel that he's going to Arizona to endorse somebody. I mean, who would want Trump's endorsement? Most of the people he, he has endorsed, they've lost. I would never, ever want Trump to endorse me. His his poll numbers are very, very low. 
Of course, there are some supporters of keeping his poll numbers a little higher than what they should be. But in general, they're low overall. I don't know. I, I don't know what, what later on the night when he gives this speech at this rally that in this city and town of Phoenix, which they've asked him not to show up, not to come because he pours gasoline on this fire, this racial fire. Because if you think about it, Trump has never come out to say that he was not a racist. He never came out to say that he was not a white supremacist or, uh, or a white nationalist, like the media and the people of America ha have been saying and calling him. He never denied what he is. He can't deny what he is. He's a racist. He's a pig. He doesn't give a damn about you or me or no one in this, this, this country. He doesn't. He, he, Trump is like this. Well, you don't care about me. I don't care about you. He doesn't even care about the people who put him in office. Most of those people who are going to be at the rally tonight, who's going to be egging Trump on, praising him and kissing his feet, he doesn't care nothing about those folks. He knows that they're dumb enough, stupid enough, and crazy enough to support him. That's what he knows. Because he's going to take away their health care. He's going to take away their Social Security. He's going to take away uh, everything he can from people to make people miserable. That's what he's about. This is not about making America great again. This is about making Trump great. Because it's all about Trump. He's going to Phoenix to feed his ego. That's why he's going to Phoenix. He needs to feed his ego. He needs for people to say he's great. He needs, he needs for people to say he's, he's, he's the best. This is what Trump is going uh, to Phoenix for when he's, when he's not wanted. Let's just hope and pray that there's no uh, real serious violence that's going to take place where people die because this guy cannot stay away from a rally. This guy is putting people's lives in danger uh, with these rallies. Let's hope and pray that we can get through this without anybody dying.
Now lay me down before I go to sleep. In the troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Everybody for 